Hello, believers, and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shantae, and Whole and Complete is all about faith and wellness, loving God and living well. And we are smack dab in the middle of a series. This is the Inner Work Series. And so if this is your first time hearing my voice, welcome. (laughs) At the same time, I'm going to encourage you to go one episode back because we are smack dab in the middle of the series and it's a continuation of a discussion that we've already had and begun in our previous episode. And this is all about the inner work, the inner work. And so our guiding scripture from that last episode came from the apostle Paul. He's admonishing the church to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling, which is a admonition to continue to do the work, to continue to do the things that draw them closer to God. And today we are continuing that conversation with a new guiding scripture. And this is one of my favorites actually out of the book of John chapter 15 verses 10 and 11. And it says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And some versions say that your joy may be complete. And so what are we going to be talking about today? Today, we are going to be talking about sparking joy, spark joy, facts versus feelings and underlying issues. So spark joy, you might be familiar with this term from Marie Kondo. If you have watched her show on Netflix, if you have read her book about decluttering and organizing, then this notion of sparking joy will be familiar to you. And to simplify, when it's time for you to declutter your space, when it's time for you to declutter your home, the first thing that you have to do is purge. (laughs) You got to get rid of some stuff. That is, that is step number one, because All you're doing if you don't purge anything is you're just shuffling the junk from one place to another. And so we're talking about decluttering our emotions, decluttering things that are kind of taking up space in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirit that just don't serve any purpose any longer. We don't have any more use for them. And one of the metrics that she uses when you're trying to make a decision about whether or not I'm going to keep this or whether or not I'm going to throw it away is, does it spark joy? Does it spark joy? And I love this metric because joy is a central theme of the Bible, certainly of the New Testament. Jesus speaks about joy more than once. And one of his intentions towards you, one of his hopes for you, for believers, is that you would have joy and that your joy would be full, that it would be complete. Hence the name of our podcast, Whole and Complete Podcast. So one of the things that Jesus wants for us is to have joy because in this life, we're going to have all kinds of troubles and aches and pains and things like that. And he's saying in the midst of all of that, I want you to have joy. And he prefaces this by saying, if you keep my commands, remain in my, you will remain in my love and and your joy will be full. And I wanted to look that up because this is one of the issues that people have with Christianity. They think it's very dogmatic and absolute. And so I looked up this word command and commandments. Now, bear in mind here in the West, we are reading a translation of the Bible and there are many translations of the Bible, but the Bible originally is 
Hebrew and Aramaic and languages that are not even spoken anymore. And so it's like a translation of a translation of a translation of a translation. And when you hear the word command or commandments, it sounds like an order, right? A rule and regulation like power or force. But that is not the intention here at all. That is not the connotation here at all. It actually comes from a word, a Jewish word, a Hebrew word called mitzvah. Mitzvah, almost like bar mitzvah, right? So if you've heard that that phrase, mitzvah. And in this context, mitzvah is referring to like directions or landmarks or guideposts. And so when he's saying, if you keep my commands, it's not if you follow these hard and fast rules and regulations, then I'm going to love you. His love is unconditional. He's going to love you regardless. What he's saying is, is that if it is your intention to live a life of joy, then my encouragement to you is that you follow these guideposts, that you follow these landmarks, and that you follow these directives, as it were. And so you're like, well, okay, well, what are the directives? And the directives, I will take you to Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40, and they are these. Teacher, which commandment is the greatest in the law? Jesus declared, love the Lord with your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Some versions of the Bible say is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40, all the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So when Jesus is saying, if you keep my commandments, follow my commandments, if you roll with the commandments, he's talking about those two things right there. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor like you love yourself. He says everything else, if you can do those two things, everything else will, will fall into place. And he's saying, if you can do these two things, then your joy will be full. He said, you'll have the same kind of joy that I have. And I want you to have the joy that I have. And, and the way to have that is by following these commandments because Jesus throughout his life demonstrated a love for God and a love for people. And so he, when he's saying these commandments, he's saying these are the guideposts. This is your true north. This is where you should always be pointing. And so with respect to sparking joy, when you think about what are the things in your life, what are the things that you are wrestling with emotionally? What are the things that you are wrestling with psychologically that do not spark joy, that are an impediment that keep you from loving God and loving people, loving your neighbor as yourself. And so whatever that thing is, or whatever those things are that are keeping the joy spark <laughs> from sparking, now is the time to think about it. Because oftentimes we delude ourselves into thinking that we will be okay, that we will be whole and complete, even though there is this unresolved thing that we've tucked away in a box in the back of our minds that's a no, that no, it doesn't work like that. And so now is the time to start going through your stuff in the same way that you would go into a room that needs to be decluttered. And now you have to start opening drawers. And now you have to start going into the closets and, and start look, taking a look around and saying, you know, what things haven't I worn? What hasn't been used? Uh, what is this still doing here? So whether that is a grudge from long ago, whether it is some hurt feelings, somebody said something, did something, 
and your feelings are still hurt about it. It may not be fresh, but it's still there. It might be regret. You regret the way that you spoke to somebody or you regret that you didn't do something or you neglected something and it's never really set right with you, but then so much time has passed and you just kind of kept meaning to go back and make it right and, and you just never did. And so it's, it's still there. It might be unspoken tension, you know, so there's something going on in the house and nobody's really talking about it. It's the elephant in the room and everybody's trying to talk around it or act like it's not fair. It might be grief. It might be that you can't forgive somebody. So think about it. What is in your emotional drawer? What is in your emotional closet? What is in your room, so to speak, that your the rooms of your brain that need to be decluttered that are just hanging out there that make it difficult for you to experience joy, that make it difficult for you to experience healthier emotions. And this is so important because I hope that by now you've experienced the difference between a room that is cluttered and junky and disorganized and then that feeling of walking into that space after it's been cleaned and purged and organized. It is literal joy. You you can breathe again. It's all of a sudden like, wow, this is man, I can't believe that it took me so long, you know, to, to go through this process and at the end, because the results are so spectacular, but that's the key. You do have to go through the process. And I will tell you from experience, it always looks worse before it looks better. You take all that stuff out and you're looking at it and it doesn't look good. And it seems like you are just buried under things and maybe you were better off when it was just stuffed in the closet or stuffed in the drawer. But I'm telling you, that's not the truth that it's, it's, it's a process. And so it's not always going to be a neat and tidy process while it's happening. But at the end, the results are always going to be worth it, which brings us to facts versus feelings. Truth be told, facts versus feelings and underlying issues. So my second and third points, they're really kind of interwoven. They go hand in hand. But when I'm talking about facts versus feelings, if you think about going into your closet right now, there is a difference between what you can wear and what you used to could wear. Okay, there's a difference between what you can put on your body right now and wear comfortably versus what you think you might can put on your body and wear comfortably. There's what fits and then there are things that don't fit anymore. And sometimes we have emotional attachments to these things that we need to sort through. So sometimes there's that pair of jeans in the closet. You know, there was always back in the early 2000s, this talk about that magical pair of jeans in the closet that every woman holds on to in hopes that she'll be able to get back into those jeans again and all this nostalgia attached to it. And it, it shows that she's dedicated and, and has kept her physique and her frame together. Okay. But sis, if the, if the jeans don't fit and you haven't worn them in X amount of years and they're sitting there as a symbol of what used to be of a past that no longer exists, what purpose is that serving? What is it? Is it reminding you of the good old days or is it a reminder of regret and lament about what used to be? And man, I used to be so, such and such a size and man, I wish I could fit that again. And, you know, like so is that sparking joy or is that just kind of like painful reminders of what used to be? 
change is inevitable. Change is going to happen. You know, all the things that are firm and tight and perky in your twenties, keep living sugar. Like it, it don't, it, it don't. Okay. Without some serious work. So either work that you pay for or work that you do day in, day out with diet and exercise to try to keep it right and keep it tight. But the fact of the matter is the sands of the hourglass are going to shift. Okay. So that's just the reality of life. And so maybe instead of holding on to that with wistful lamentations, like about what used to be, maybe it's just like, you know what? I'm so grateful for those years. I had some good times in these jeans and I have some pictures with my friends and I wore them to the cabin in the woods and I'm, I love that. And that's great. And now it's time for somebody else to have a funky good time in these jeans. And I hope that they bring them as much joy as they brought me. You put them in a box and then you, you know, you ship them off to, to someplace else. So when we're talking about facts versus feelings, there are some things that we need to sort out about what really is versus what we're feeling about what is. Okay. So when you're thinking about the emotional attachments that you're having to certain things or to certain incidents or to certain people, you need to to pull that thread. You know, why do you want to hold on to that? So if it's anger, why do you want to hold on to that anger? What is the underlying current that is fueling that? What is serving that? Is it, there's a, a saying, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Or do you want to be right? Or do you want to be right about being wrong? At some point, that whole, I was done wrong. I was done dirty. I was the victim. I was, nobody's taking anything away from that. And nobody is diminishing the impact of what happened. And the question is, how is that serving you today? What is that doing for you today? Is that moving you closer to joy or is that keeping joy out of your orbit? If you are unable to apologize, what is that about? Is that about pride? Is that about shame? Is that, what is that about? What is it that you are trying to avoid? What is it that you are unwilling to face? And I'm not going to lie to you. This is difficult work. This is difficult work. I literally, <laughs> when I, when I went to my current therapist, I literally thought that I was going to be there for like a couple, two, three sessions, you know, six weeks tops, baby, bye. we, <laughs> she's a bill now. Okay. I had to move some things around in the budget. She's a mainstay. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend like this is easy work. I'm not even going to sit here and pretend like it's quick work, but it's worthy work. I'm worth the work. You are worth the work. And this isn't just my quote unquote humble opinion. I'm not trying to blow a fluffy smoke of empowerment up your tailpipe. That's not what this is about. This is biblical. This is literally biblical. God, as a believer, God has called us to be salt and to be light. And in order to run that race, in order to do that work, because see, here's the thing. We have outer work to do. This work, th what I'm doing right now, podcasting, baby, this is work. To do this production day in, day out, week in, week out, month after month, and week after week, please don't be under any delusions. 
This is work. And whether it was a podcast or whether it was a blog, it's a production. There is a process to it. There is pre-production, there's production, and then there's post-production. And then to do it consistently, which is necessary in order for you to build an audience, this is work. This is the work that God has called me to do. And so God has called each of us to do some sort of work in the vineyard. And so in order for you to do the outer work, in order for you to be the shepherd, to the sheep, to the flock that you have been assigned, you have to do the inner work. You you cannot do the outer work without doing the inner work because at some point, the, the lack of inner work is going to impact or debilitate your ability to do the outer work. And I know that there's this ethos that floats around like, oh, just fake it till you make it. No, that, mm-mm. <laughs> you have to do the work. And so when Paul, going back to episode number one, is talking about work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's saying, continue to do that inner work that allows you to be productive and fruitful in the outer work. Remember, our job is to be fruitful and multiply, to plant seeds and to water and do the work, lay the groundwork so that God can give the increase. That is our work. And I want to take you to Hebrews chapter 12, which says, therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses, some versions say gathering of witnesses surrounding us. Let us lay aside every hindrance and sin, some things say every weight and sin, that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Let me pause right there. Do you know what endurance is? Endurance is the ability to keep going. It is to endure, to withstand, to be in it for the long haul. So this thing called life It's a long haul, baby. And if you burn out on anger and you short out on bitterness and you burn out on envy and you burn out on regret and you are burnt down on grief, it's going to be a long road to hold. It's going to be so difficult for you to be able to, to make it. And so he's saying, let's run this race with endurance. And so while we're trying to endure, let us lay aside, that is put off the things that are going to make it heavy, that are going to make it hard for us to endure in this thing called life and for us to endure in this race. Anger is heavy. Grief is heavy. Bitterness is heavy. Self-doubt, low self-esteem, that is heavy. That is heavy. And it is no wonder why so many people struggle to get out of bed in the morning and struggle to find joy in their lives and try to find a spark in their day and are numbing out with alcohol and all kinds of things because they're just trying to make it, not thrive. They're trying to survive. And so because this race is a long one, Lord willing, you know, if God lets us live long enough, he says there's some things that we're going to have to put aside in order to make this tenable, in order for us to stay in it. And verse two says, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy. Oh, there's that word again that lay before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so this is literally the eyes on the prize verse. Okay, like so eyes on the prize. And that's something that we have to keep in the forefront, in the in the foreground. It's like, yes, 
it's going to be difficult to open those drawers. Yes, it's going to be difficult to, to do all that decluttering and, and all of that. I remember, true story, my parents have been in their home, oh, let me say 96. They moved right when I went to college. How you like them apples? Hmm. But they moved into their home as soon as I went off to college and have been there ever since. And at some point, maybe this was maybe four years ago, they, the basement had, was just so full of stuff because they have a full basement that runs the length of the house and some of everybody's stuff was in there. I mean, my daddy's clothes from the seventies. I mean, Oh, I don't want to talk about my daddy on this show, but I mean, he had some shirts in there. I was like, okay, three's company, Mr. Roper want his shirt back. <laughs> But I mean, you know, so he had stuff. My mama, oh, my mama is, she buys in bulk. I'm going to just, I'm going to say that about my mama. I'm not going to call her a hoarder, but I'm going to say she buys in bulk. Meaning if she likes a shoe, I bet you she got three different colors of that same exact shoe. And then there was my stuff. And then there was my sister's stuff. I mean, so things had just piled up. And I mean, it was crazy down there. You can imagine just the clutter that had built up, you know, over a couple of decades. And so the same woman that I hired to declutter my home, I hired her to do their basement. And there was a point where my dad didn't even want me to, to hire anybody because he didn't want anybody to know that things had gotten that bad. And some of you might be in that place. Like, I just don't even want people to know that it's gotten this bad, that, that I'm feeling this bad, that I'm having these thoughts or that these, that I'm even thinking this way. It's okay because since that was her gift, like literally when she sees clutter, this woman is like a, a clutter fairy. Like she's, she's her own version of Marie Kondo. All she saw was opportunities and possibilities. There was no judgment. She was like, okay, this is what we need to do. This is how long it's going to take. And this is how much it's going to cost. And so I rallied the troops because I knew that my father and mother were not going to be able to just be getting up and down those stairs. So I called all the siblings. I called, you know, some of my dad's friends from the church, like all the king's horses and all the king's men. Right. And literally in one afternoon, I, I wish I could find those pictures right now. It was like night and day. It was literally like somebody went down there and bippity boppity booed that basement back into something that was just, I mean, my goodness, it was amazing how much space there was and, and all of that. But I say all this to say that it took a lot of work. We had to put in a lot of sweat equity. It was a lot of trips up and down those stairs and it was something that we could not do. Here's the key alone. It was not the kind of work that we could do alone. And I used to be that person. I used to be the lone wolf. I'm Johnny introvert over here. And so I don't want people in my business and I'm staying in my lane and I'm going to just talk to Jesus. And I did talk to Jesus and thank God Jesus pointed me in the direction of the therapist that I have right now. But that's the point is that you don't have to do this work alone. It is okay to, to bring people in I have a whole series coming up about toxic relationships, but I do want to mention briefly the interview, the infamous interview with Meghan Markle and Oprah Winfrey. Let me tell you something. This is a woman who from the outside looking in, she had had it made, right? She married her Prince Charming. It was a fairy tale. It was beautiful gowns and this and that. All 
I have told you all this so many times on this podcast, all that glitters is not good. All that glitters is not gold. And all that glitters is not God. That woman was on the brink of suicide. And she said, I told my husband what I was thinking about so that in telling him, I would not do it. She enlisted the the trust and support of her husband and she tried to get help from the pal. Ooh, mm, mm, mm. I'm gonna save that for the next series because I have a lot to say about that whole situation. I don't know if you guys know this sidebar. So before COVID and in my travels, I actually went to that wedding. I booked, as soon as I found out they were engaged, I booked my flight to London and I traveled to Windsor and I was on the long walk as they paraded down afterwards and I was right in the front row. I have a picture of Meghan Markle looking right at me like, yes, girl, and it's, I should put it in a frame. But yes, I ride hard for the Duchess, okay? But back on point, the point is that she enlisted the support of her husband, she tried to get help elsewhere and eventually they had to leave that situation and now they're in a healthier place. But the point is that this is not work that you have to do alone. This is not work that you have to shoulder alone because you've been carrying it all this time by yourself. And so on our next episode, I'm so excited to bring Dr. Deb Gordon in to kind of help us shoulder some of the load of this work to to point us to what it means to embrace that work her book embracing uncomfortable literally i read the first chapter of that book and i was in my therapist's office for three four months in tears about all the things that it had brought out for me so it, it i had to take a step back before I could even finish reading the book about embracing uncomfortable and the dynamics and the parameters that we set up for ourselves and these expectations that we have about what life is going to be. And she is the perfect person to come and speak to what it means to really do that inner work. And so I'm excited to bring her on the show. It's going to be a great conversation. If you, I will actually put a link to her book in the show notes for this week and for next week, but that is where we are headed next. So if you have any questions, comments, takeaways, please hit me up at Dr. Shante says on Twitter, on Instagram. If you have yet to rate and review this podcast, please, in the words of James Brown, please, please, please please go ahead and make sure that you review the podcast because that algorithm helps other people to find the podcast. And so let's continue to let this light shine and I will see you next time.